Sure, this, oh, there we go. Thank you so much for leading us so well, Leanne. And it's, it's good to be here with you speaking, and I pray that my message would uh, sort of coincide with what was just shared and prayed for. We're in this series, and so I wanted to just start off with a few thoughts. Um, you know what it's like when you maybe have barriers and obstacles in your life. Some of these are, are very difficult, and, and sometimes, many times, they come at you without your choice. They just happen. This is particularly difficult. And even more difficult is when barriers and obstacles come against you when you're young, maybe a child. Things pile up against you that are out of your control. So this week, as I was thinking about this kind of struggle and suffering, I read a story of a young boy called Dalali. So Dalali's sense of rejection started from a very young age uh, by, because of something outside of his control. He lives in Tanzania, and he has a rare skin condition called uh, al- albinism. Um, it's a, a rare genetic condition that affects the melanin in the skin. That's the, that's the thing that gives us all the different colors and shades of our skin. But importantly, it also uh, it is involved in the development of the retina. So while someone with albinism is greatly affected in, in maybe sunburns and that danger uh, of that, they're more affected by their eyesight. The eyes don't develop correctly. They can often struggle with blindness. And so in Tanzania, however, there's even other layers because in Tanzania, uh, people uh, where we are affected, maybe one in every 20,000 here in North America, in Tanzania, it's one in about 1,430, so 14 times higher percentage in that country. And in that country, other barriers they face are social because in, in traditional teaching, for whatever reason, the, the al- people with albinism are seen to have some magical qualities. And so very st- sadly, these people can be injured, sometimes even killed, to literally harvest body parts for ceremonies with witch doctors. It's, it's, it's really horrible. So in Dalali's family, all five of the children have albinism. And so the other village elders were telling the father, you know, this is obviously a curse, so you do not provide for them. So, you know, this man, what could he do? But he got depressed, he began drinking, he was not able to support the children. So these children all had to fend for themselves to find food to the extent that one of the younger brothers uh, passed away from lack of care and nourishment. So all his life he was facing physical threats, verbal threats, and just scrounging for life in the streets, all because of a a struggle that he couldn't control. But across the ocean, and separated by 40 years, there was another man who struggled with albinism. He grew up under the cloud of shame with with similar factors. His name is Peter Ash, and he grew up in Montreal, in Canada. And uh, all his life, he was told that because of his condition, his limitations, he wouldn't amount to much. Because like Dalali, in his education, you know, lack of sight in the 1960s meant you weren't learning as well and therefore assumed you're not intelligent. So everywhere he go, he was put down. He was not going to succeed. So again, these two stories of these two children just depict for me how sometimes struggle and shame just comes on us. We're in this series where we're talking about shame and overcoming shame and and how does God help us overcome shame? What can be the result? Psychiatrist and author Kurt Thompson says this about shame. 
Satan, spiritual enemy, uses shame as an emotional weapon against us to prevent us from fulfilling our God-given calling. So like these two individuals, these things just, people will say, you know, you're not going to, you're not going to add up. You're not going to do what you could. C.S. Lewis actually says that it's shame even more than any vices we may struggle with that would prevent us from doing good in the world. So it's that, it's that feeling, shame, that we're not quite good enough can make us try to go really big to overcompensate. Or it can, it can push us down and we go inward and we try to become really small. So today what I want to explore is how overcoming our barriers to fulfill our potential is one of the big things God uses to overcome our shame. So in order to help us do that, I'd like to look at some of the words of Jesus. We're going to look in Matthew chapter 10. We'll have some scripture on the screen. If you have a Bible, you could turn to Matthew chapter 10. This important chapter is spoken as Jesus is sending out his 12 disciples, these Jewish people uh, among them uh, as a people at that time struggling under, under the Roman occupation, people familiar with struggle. And so because of these particular Jewish disciples following Jesus, they'd made a choice in their lives to follow this Messiah and therefore inherited a, a whole bunch of new struggles because of their faith choice. So in Matthew chapter 10, as he's calling them, he, he says, this is going to be even harder for you folks. There's a few things. He says, by being sent out, he says, don't take your purse uh, they were going to have to let go of their hold on money and their communities who were rejecting them were going to have to provide for them. So they couldn't hold on to that security. And Jesus says then, your allegiance to your family is going to be in question. You'll be rejected by your own family. So allegiance to family was needed to be put aside to follow Jesus. And thirdly, Jesus even warned that their physical safety was going to be at risk. He says things like, you are being sent as sheep among wolves. And just as I am being mistreated, you'll be even flogged in the courts and dragged before courts because of me. And then he ends near the end of that chapter. He says a very challenging verse. He says, whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Such a hard call, right? Such a hard call. But apparently built, uh, built into following Jesus is struggle. This is not some foreign thing. Jesus understands struggle. He understands the shame that comes as people struggle and, and are pushed around in the family or the community. I've met several people like this over the years, and many quite recently who've come to follow Jesus out of backgrounds that don't accept this, particularly if they're people are from Muslim families or I know many who are from Afghanistan, some who've become believers. What I see in them is a choice to follow Jesus in a way that they tell me gives them fresh joy, while at the same time presents many barriers in their lives because of rejection, danger, uh, uh, family pressure. And yet they do it with joy. So I ask myself, what, what kind of faith is it that they have that they would follow Jesus at such great cost and have this new joy? It's the kind of faith I want, that we want. And these people actually come to us as, as like missionaries to say, this is what following Jesus looks like. So we want to ask, how can this be true? What kind of experience with Christ can be worth such sacrifice? So this verse, right after the one I read, verse 39, says it like this. Whoever finds their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. It's a bold statement that Jesus makes. And I think it points to what 
I feel, is the great exchange. I like the way the message translation translates the same verse. Let me read that version. It says this. If your first concern is to look after yourself, you'll never find yourself. But if you forget about yourself and look to me, you'll find both yourself and me. So in this great exchange Jesus is talking about, he says, if you find your life in me, uh, there's going to be a version of life that is going to be truly life. It's a great exchange. Pastor Timothy Keller recently passed away in the past year, says it like this about this verse. He says, your old way of having an identity, your old way of gaining a sense of self has to be over. You have to, in a sense, die to it. And then through me, I can give you a whole new identity. You must have a whole reconstructed identity. You'll get a whole new life, a true self. That's what Jesus is saying. I love those words from Timothy Keller. So this promise that right in the midst of our struggles, something about looking to Jesus will be this exchange for one version of life, for a true sense of life. The word life in Hebrew, or sorry, in Greek that is translated here is suke. And it means literally this inner life, uh, this life that whatever is happening externally, you can't maybe make it happen, but Jesus That's what he touches you. That's the kind of life that wells up because of faith and trust and his very presence in his life. That's what he's asking us to exchange. In the case of Peter Ash, it was his mom who helped him first see that because of his albinism, he wasn't broken, but instead he had a unique set of gifts. During his childhood, there was an incident that he writes about. Uh, As a young boy, he was had come home from school and he found a bicycle in the back alley. And so as a young child might do, he says, I'm going to try and ride a bike. That's what kids do. So Peter gets on the bike and quite wobbly and you can imagine how it ended. He sort of crashed and fell in the alley. And, and another parent nearby yelled out to Peter's mom, that kid doesn't belong on a bike. He's blind. But what did Peter's mother do? He's, Peter writes this. He said... Peter, don't listen to her. Get off or get on that bike. Get back on that bike, Peter. And he says, in that moment, my mother changed the course of my life because that day she taught me that that nobody and nothing can define me, that I get to to struggle and, and define myself no matter what other people say. Later, it was his own father that also influenced him. He actually took him to church. And when he was in church, he learned about the love of God and so through, through his mother's love and his father's love and learning about God's love, Peter got this sense that he can overcome what he needs to do to become who he is, that God has a calling on his life. His life wasn't going to look like other people. Peter eventually earned a master's degree. He, he became a pastor where he worked for 10 years and he even started a successful real estate company. His life had become so much more than others were telling them that he was going to be. Then one day, Peter came across a BBC article. And in the article, he read about children in Tanzania, like Dalali. He went there and he saw their plight and he he resonated. So he ended up starting an organization called Under the Same Sun, or UTSS. So this organization offers schooling, counseling, housing, and just a full life rehabilitation, getting these children, growing them up, helping them find their place 
in life. And just uh, as Delali had completed his elementary school, his parents both passed away, leaving him totally destitute. And that's when UTSS discovered him and rescued him. Then for the first time, Delali found himself in a community uh, with other children with albinism and, uh, and others without albinism. But this community came around him, offered him love, uh, friendship, support, counseling. He got to study what he wanted and that potential that was in him that's in all of us began to be invested in. And Delali began to display remarkable resilience. So Peter's story, what Peter was able to do because of overcoming his challenges, allowed Dalali and many kids like them to raise up and overcome their challenges, overcome their shame, fulfill their potential. Isn't that the gospel? The gospel of the great exchange, trading one life for another. And it's God's character that's always, we see it all through scripture, God's character always bends towards what is broken, bends towards what we think is broken and, and beyond hope. Just like Peter Ash did, because of God's love, he, he bent his life towards helping the most vulnerable. And so as, as we do this, as we bend towards, we are joining God in his gospel. But saying that is one thing, doing it is another. I may be making it sound too easy, but no, this life, just as Jesus says, it's about denying life to gain life, it's gritty, it's difficult. So it's important to actually acknowledge that difficulty as we want to walk in that direction. So I was looking at the Psalms. The Psalms are an awesome place in the Bible if you're wondering, how do I approach God with all the range of all that I'm going through? Psalm 69 really stood out to me. Let me read part of it for us. The writer says this, save me, O God, for the waters have come up to my neck. I sink in the miry depths where there's no foothold. I have, no, I have come into the deep waters. The floods engulf me. I'm worn out calling for help. Do these words describe something you're going through or others or something you've gone through? I know they do for me. Perhaps you find yourself in what feels like a miry pit, wondering why and how you're going to get help when the water is coming past your neck when your help, your calls for help seem to go unanswered. That's the reality of our life so many times. The struggle is real. And then in response, uh, another psalm, another of my favorites, Psalm 40, writes this. I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned and he heard my cry. He lifted me up out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. He set my feet upon a rock and he gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in him. I love that song. Uh, one of my favorite artists, Bono of U2, he sings Psalm 40, and in his version of the song, he has this haunting refrain, how long, how long to sing a new song? And I know that's the feeling I have as we, again, we look at the troubled world or the trouble in our own lives. We think, how long, Lord, how long? What does your rescue even look like? Does it mean it all goes away overnight? Maybe sometimes. But what if it doesn't? Does it mean you're with me in some way that gives me that hope I need right now? Because it feels like the water is up around my neck and rising. So maybe you've had or are having an experience like that. Maybe you've been like Peter Ash and God, through his, his providence, has helped you overcome something. 
and fulfill your potential. And maybe then you've been on the receiving end because if someone did that, they've been able to help you. I'm not sure where you're at this morning. But as you consider where you're at, I want want to ask you a key question. This is a unique type of question that coaches and counselors typically use in sessions, and it's one of my favorites every time someone asks me this. So I just want to sort of take a breath for a moment. I'm going to ask you this question and give you a few seconds to ponder. The question goes like this. If you woke up tomorrow morning and discovered that every barrier and shame-inducing obstacle was suddenly and irreversibly gone, how would you feel and what would you be able to accomplish? Just take a few seconds with that. What would you be able to accomplish if those barriers were suddenly and irreversibly just gone? It's an awesome question. Coaches and counselors call it the miracle question. And it invites you, in your mind at least, to to suddenly be lifted up out of that slimy pit and to sort of uh, have the, the light of dawn, just a little look at a life where you're not under the shadowy mountain of all that's keeping you down. And I think how this question works is it just that ability to just see, even just for a moment, it actually unlocks a door of hope. And this is, the, this is the kind of door of hope, and this is what I think God's voice, if you're ever wondering, what does God's voice sound like if I ever would talk to this Lord? It's the voice that says, and you might have just heard it, take courage. Rise up in whatever pain and limitations you have. Face the obstacles with my help. There is hope. Every time I'm asked that question, I just feel this, this sort of sliver of hope, and it makes me just want to run towards whatever little bit of hope I felt as that question was asked. It could be simple things like, you know, maybe, maybe your home needs a whole renovation. Well, you can imagine, well, I could clean up one room today towards a bigger project. Or maybe you've got a, a project in your life that just keeps falling apart. But maybe you could do one small thing. Maybe there's a relationship or a set of relationships that are tumbling down. But you writing one little note of love and encouragement could be that, that sliver of hope. So whatever sliver of hope you imagined as I asked that question today, I want to ask you to pay attention to it. Let it sit with you this week and count it as God's voice to you saying, you can do it. I'm with you. I'm holding you in whatever tension you're facing. I'm the God who wants to help you rise up in your potential in the middle of whatever shame you're facing. I have hope for you to walk forward in. So the Lord is the Lord who spurs us on no matter what we're facing. And so that's what he's saying when he said that verse that I read earlier. I'll read it again. If your first concern is to to look after yourself, to fix all your own problems, to, to cover every need, you'll never find yourself. You'll never get it. But if you forget about caring, being the main person that does everything for yourself, and instead look to me, you'll find both yourself and me. As I said, this is the kind of living with Jesus that it requires a lot of grit, a lot of resolve, a lot of courage. And it's actually what the Bible talks about being victorious. 
We might think that word victorious means like, oh, everything's gone and I'm just soaring free. But the word victorious, especially as we get to the end of the Bible, we, we see Jesus victorious when he faces the cross. When he looks, when he takes on the shame of the whole world and he, he stretches out his arms and he takes that punishment and he, he then erases it and rises up in it. So as we join Jesus in that, that's being victorious. That's all he asks is join our hands with his hands. Walk with courage. Face it together with him. And that's why this symbol of the cross has been the enduring symbol of, of Christians across the world all the ages. God is on our side. This is the type of God fighting for us and then sending us out in the world to fight for his justice, to fight for his love in a world that's literally crumbling around us in, in many places, in many ways. I want to circle back to the beginning, just as we end. And I want to give you, a, I think, a very encouraging snapshot of what this looks like in the life of a young child, a child like Delali, a child rescued to, to be raised up in that school I mentioned in Tanzania. Just a short clip. I believe we have it ready. Just going to take a quick peek. My name is Edgar Samson. I am 11 years old. My school is I attended St. Anne Maria Academy. Uh, I am in grade five. My favorite subjects are math, English, science, and French. I would like to be the best actor or doctor. I would like to, I would like to thank the people who sponsor my education, and I will make sure that I will be a good pupil, and I will get a better grade. <laughs> I love that. I just wanted to show it to you. It just made me happy. You know, Edgar's life is going to have some of the shadows on it, but what he's learning, what he's, he's surrounded by a community to help him learn, like no matter what you're facing, you can rise up. God has a story for you to participate in. As his shame falls away, as our shame falls away, as we rise up in our gifts. This is how the Lord works with us and wants to cheer us on. So for whatever you're facing, that's our message today. This is the gospel. Allow me to finish by praying together. So if you would, just bow with me in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I just thank you for the power of your words, the power of the story we read all through the scripture from the Old Testament the Jewish people in their struggle, to the New Testament, Jesus, what you've left us, this heritage of exchanging our version of life for your version of life, for joining us in our struggle, in our pain, watching the shame fall away as we rise up to the potential, to the gifts you have. So I just pray that each person here would rise up in that, whatever they're facing, and be a, a gift to the world and experience your gift to them. I praise you, Jesus, in your powerful name. Amen.